Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast focusing on real Canadian rugby. I'm Shu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Now Derek, we forgot to mention this last week, but the European Championship has begun in uh, <laughs> rugby. Were you able to catch any of it over the weekend? I use quotation marks because yeah. uh, now that the South African teams are involved... Uh, Hey, you know what? Really, I, uh, I've always heard that South Africa is the most beautiful country in Europe. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's why, that's why a, they call it. That's why they call it South Africa, right? Yeah, um, exactly. That's going to be hilarious. One of those teams, honestly, one of those teams has to win, just yeah. to say, like the the Sharks are the European champions, Stormers, whoever's in it. Um, any of those? I mean, it's like one of those American teams that won the Grey Cup. And that only happened once. That only happened. Yeah, once. but, yeah, but once is all you need. That was the the Baltimore Stallions. Yeah, the Baltimore Stallions. I think won the Grey Cup. Or yeah, I I hope I'm right on that. <laughs> I also love the fact that they did. They took because uh, the Baltimore Colts like relocated mm-hmm. to Indy, and then the Baltimore the CFL team was like, "We'll just call the team the Stallions because we're just going to name all the Baltimore football teams after horses." Um, but. Yeah, so that was that, yeah, that was kind of weird. But at least the Grey Cup's not called like the Canadian Rugby Cup or, or the Canadian. Yeah, Rugby I suppose Cup or so. But it's were you able to watch any of the games at all? Yeah, no, Saracens game was really good. There was a feral uh, kind of back and forth, kind of weird that the Saracens haven't played in like three weeks because of the Warriors Wasp thing. Yeah, um, they, they mixed in that nice loss to the Tel Aviv Heat though. That's probably the only <laughs> yeah. team that can beat them. So that's fine. At least at least Israel's not in Europe. Um yeah. so I mean I think we're good. Um but yeah, no, it's a good game. Uh Edinburgh probably really wants that one play back where they had the intercept and then couldn't capitalize on a couple of really great tackles um in scramble defense. Um but uh yeah, I think uh your Ospreys didn't fare fare too well against uh who did they play? They played uh Leicester, right? Yeah, they played the Leicester Tigers, and um, well, you know, you know, I'm Welsh. Yeah, I'm used to. I've seen the Ospreys play the past few years. I know how this song and dance goes. It's not a surprise to me in any way, shape, or form. And so you have the Ospreys, who were the highest finishing Welsh team in um, the URC. So not even one of the teams that made it into the top half of the table, just the best Welsh team. And they are currently playing, well, they played Leicester, who are the defending English champions. Yeah. And their opponents this coming weekend are Montpellier, who are the defending top 14 champions. Hmm. I know how this is going to go. Yeah. I'm just used to it. I'm just waiting for it to be done. It's okay. I've seen how this goes. It's fine. You need to cheer for some more successful sports teams still. Hey, I, I cheered for them when they were successful sports teams. That's the problem. Ah, uh, see, so yeah, now you're just paying for it. Now you're suffering. Yeah, now I have to remember the halcyon days of 2012 when they could actually, uh, yeah, beat less beat Leinster in Leinster. Yeah, Sale uh, absolutely annihilated Ulster though. That was a big. Yeah, game. that's uh, that was, that was a yeah. turnout for the books. No, uh, kind of looking at the uh, looking at the scores now, getting a little recap. Um, South Africa does well against English teams, not as well against French teams by the looks of it. Oh, one one the Bulls beat Lyon, Stormers lost yeah. to Claremont, Sharks beat Harlequins. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Dragons... two, and one, two and one for South Africa to start. That's not that bad. Well, the Dragons tied their game as well, I believe. So, so two one one. Yeah. Wait, who did the oh. Cheetahs play? Uh, well, not in the Champions Cup, right? In the challenge. Yeah, they're in the Challenge Cup. Challenge Cup. We're going to yeah, Challenge Cup. Uh, yeah, the Lions. Lions tied the Dragons. Cheetahs beat uh, Pau. And yeah, yeah. So South Africa faring uh, faring pretty well um, in conquering Europe right now. So good for them, I guess. Yeah, right. Them, right? right. I think we've uh, focusing a bit too much on uh, the other side of the Atlantic. I think we need to be focusing on the Pacific because um, whilst we were having the interview with uh, Karen Packway last week, we forgot that. Well, we didn't forget. We just were so inundated that uh, the Canadian University's Men Rugby Championship had wrapped up that previous weekend. And, you know, there was... It was a pretty good competition, okay? There was a, the major upset was in the uh, first round where um, the Trinity Western Spartans uh, beat the UVic Vikes with the last kick of the game to take them through to the... Uh, mm -hmm. Champion semifinals. The Vikes, however, you know, progressed fairly well against the other teams in the bottom half. But unfortunately, the hosts, you know, there as um as Curry Hitchborn, their coach was saying, you know, these guys are training to win titles, to win championships, and you know, they set their mind to the task. They were playing at home as well, which is also a huge benefit. And uh, yeah, they, um, you know, they did really well. Um, I gotta give credit as well to uh, the Redbirds, the first uh, team from Quebec to make it through to the CUMRC finals. But now, nah, Thunderbirds were just on another level throughout this entire tournament. And so we have the final standings. Um, in eighth was the Golden Hawks, seventh were the Dinos, sixth were the Seahawks, uh, fifth were the Vikes, fourth were the Spartans. Third, and the bronze medal goes to the Griffins. Second goes to the McGill Redbirds and the first place. Unsurprisingly, winning their fourth title in five tournaments is the UBC Thunderbirds. So congratulations to all the players there. And thanks for giving us uh, some entertaining 60-minute rugby matches for um, that week. Really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, and you know, it's always good to see... Uh, the new breed of um, rugby players coming through. And hopefully these are names that we'll be seeing, you know, come up in the Pacific Pride and hopefully in MLR in the years to come. So we've gone from one end of the Pacific and we're going back to the Atlantic, but we are actually going to go to South Africa. But first of all, we have to take a stop in Dubai because we have had two stages of the World's Seven Series with both the men and women playing. And first up was the Dubai Sevens. Uh, the women in Dubai, you know, they started uh, with a loss to the USA, followed by a loss to Australia, only getting a win against China. When they got to the knockout stages, they had their first win against Brazil, followed by the second against Japan, leaving them in ninth place. The men, on the other hand, also had a loss against the USA in their first uh, pool stage match followed by another loss to Samoa, again finishing with a victory, this time over Japan, only by 18-14. to 14. In the knockout stages, they lost 17-7 to Kenya, 
then won a 29-0 win over Uganda, finally concluding with a, a 38-7 loss to Spain, which puts them in 14th place. As we move now on to South Africa and the Cape Town Sevens with the women, it was a draw against France to start the pool stage, which is pretty disappointing because they were leading at halftime 19-0 and concluded the game at 19-all. Then it was the same as the previous week, a loss to the USA, this time it's 24-7. And finally, a win over Japan at 21-12. That put them into the uh, cup quarterfinals, but they were up against New Zealand, and that was a 50-5 to loss. Then they played France again. This time it was France who emerged victorious as they, as Canada lost that game 14-19. And finally, another loss against Fiji, 12-26, to which puts them in eighth place. And in the men's competition, you know, a very tough group to begin with. Host South Africa, that was a 17-7 loss. Then against France, that was a 19-12 loss. And then against Fiji, which I believe was a 36-17 loss as well. When they got to the knockout stages, they were up against Australia. And they lost that game as well, 33-7. Then up against Japan, this was their only win of the weekend, which was a 31-14 win before losing again to Kenya, uh, 21-10, with the final place again being 14th. And so in the current standings in the world, the women are, I believe, ninth in the world out of 13 teams, whilst the men's uh, Canadian team are currently placed, if my notes want to load up, uh, the Canadian team are currently placed 13th. And this is interesting to keep in mind because it has been announced by World Rugby that there are going to be changes to the Seven Series starting in December 2023. So in the next iteration of the Seven Series and next um, season, to be specific. They're saying there's going to be seven rounds in seven destinations across seven months of uh, playing sevens. Um, I think there's a theme going on here, but I don't know if anyone's picked up on it. Um, it all um, of these destinations are going to be fully combined with equal men and women's series, uh, seven series uh, events happening. However, one of the key things is the number of men's teams will be reduced from 16 to 12, and this is to align with the current Olympic model. Uh, an annual grand finale event will take place in the seventh round, which will see the top eight ranked teams after six rounds compete to be crowned series champions. The teams ranked ninth to twelfth will join the top four ranked teams from the Challenger Series in a high stakes relegation playoff competition, which will see four teams secure their place in the next edition of the World Se Seven Series. The four unsuccessful teams will go into regional competitions to qualify for the next Challenger Series, which will comprise 12 men's and 12 women's teams competing in the second level of international rugby sevens. So that's a pretty big change going on at the moment. To yeah. compare it with what we have now, um, so we currently have Hong Kong, Dubai, Cape Town, Hamilton in New Zealand, Sydney... LA, Vancouver, Singapore, Toulouse, and London as Seven's destinations. Um, for the men, Hong Kong is appearing twice this year, so that's actually 11. And of those I've just listed, 
Um, the only ones that aren't double headers, so men's and women's, are LA, Singapore, and London. So if you take those three out, you technically have seven destinations ready to go that are currently equipped for the men's and women's to be hosted at the same time. Mm-hmm. But that big thing of um, the reduction of teams from 16 to 12 should be ringing major alarm bells because if the Canadian men are only yeah. 13th, then it looks like they'll be in the Challenger Series for next season. Derek, what did you make of these uh, new changes coming to sevens? Yeah, I, I think I think I'm kind of I'm torn on it. I think I think it does on the surface. I think the surface level. I think it sounds like kind of a cool idea um, to have. Like I like the like the grand finale idea of being like you know have a big event at the end of the year um, where everybody where I guess sounds like you have to play for the championship a little bit of a mm-hmm. playoff type scenario yeah. um I, I, for for the like the world champion at the end of the year i like that idea that sounds cool um it'll probably be a really entertaining competition with this format not going to deny that or whatever like that'll probably work um the other side of the coin though is it really does feel like it hurts a lot of tier 2 nations um yeah. it hurt you know what it, um and like even like looking at you know where if you're looking at like those those cities that you just named and it's like it's hard to not look at that and be like Vancouver's getting cut, you know what I mean? Like every like Hong Kong is a staple, um, yeah. South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, France, and the and London aren't losing anything or whatever. So you're probably losing. Like, I mean, you're probably having LA because I think World Rugby wants to push the USA market a little bit. So that's probably. Yeah, especially with them hosting um, the 15s World Cup. Yeah. I, Dubai has a ton of money. Time. So yeah. I don't know. But it just seems like Vancouver seems like almost the easiest one to cut. Right. So it's like, do you, yeah. is Rugby Canada? So that's, that's my concern immediately. Is Rugby Canada going to lose like one of the biggest events that we have? Yeah. Like, that's my immediate concern um right uh if you if that's gone um however the one benefit for that is is um is obviously you know the one benefit for that though is obviously that you know vancouver is well set up to do men's and women's at the same time so maybe that helps it but again as you kind of mentioned i guess how are they doing the 12 teams whoever finishes top 12 this year yeah, so I've just gone onto the Sevens website yeah. and it says, How will relegation be decided from the men's series in uh, 2023? And yeah, it's well, first of all, it's not really clear because yeah, it's that's what talking I mean. about it's... next year, but I do have a feeling that it'll probably be it's a case be of they will. Yeah, because I think yeah. it's this. Canada's got some work to do then, because yeah, they, they and, gotta... and also as well, I keep saying, I keep saying as a um, series twenty twenty three, not realizing that the majority of the sevens going forward now will be taking yeah. place it's next year. So twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. So yeah, so it says here the fifteenth um, ranked core team based on accumulated series points following the tenth round in Toulouse will be relegated. The teams ranked 12th, 13th, and 14th at the end of the Toulouse will enter a four-team relegation oh, playoff together with the Challenger Series winners at the 11th and final round of the series in London. So, okay, that's good. Okay. 
That's good. So but, that that means so at the end of the day, if you're 14th or higher, you get to at least play for it. Uh, now, what that, if that, I'm what that gonna, sounds like? You get to yeah, play for it if you're 14. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. But then again, if they were also saying that next season is going to be 12 teams. Uh, well, what you just said. Oh, ha- oh, hang on, hang on. I didn't finish. Sorry. Um, the next, the final paragraph says the relegation playoff will be a round robin format with the top two teams when playing a final. The winner will become the twelfth core team on the twenty twenty four series, while the other three teams will enter their respective regional sevens um, championships in order to qualify for the twenty twenty four. World well, seven that's, that's the other thing too. Like, what are the regional sevens? Gonna, like, what's that going to look? That, like? That's going to be like the round that, sevens. Yeah. See, I feel and, like that's that's going to be the exact thing, though. Is like, I feel yeah. like this is going to hurt a lot of those like those those fringe countries that are like Canada and like you know the countries that are around immediately around Canada in the standings. Is like if you lose, yeah. it's going to hurt your level of competition a lot. Um, I don't understand why they're cutting it down to just seven rounds. And like seven rounds yeah. once a month too. Like you're not building much. Yeah, because as a series, that's the thing there. as well. If you um, if you look at the calendar at the moment, so we've had Dubai and Cape Town, which admittedly yeah. aren't near each other, but are roughly, you know, close on time zones. So yeah, it can be a case of, you know, yes, you'll be flying a long way, but it won't be the worst thing in the world. The next um, rounds will be Hamilton and Sydney. Those are back to back. After that, it's yeah. L.A. and Vancouver, again, back-to-back. Following that, it's Hong Kong and Singapore, again, back-to-back. Yeah. And then finally, we have Toulouse and London, which are, I'm maybe repeating myself here, but back-to-back. So... Yeah, like, that, that's the one thing that really, like, I, I really don't get that either. It's like, why are we spreading out a seven-round tournament across seven months? Yeah. It's less tournaments, it's less teams. Like yeah. I said, the competition itself will probably be fun, and that last yeah. stage will probably be very interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, but th- this but is, like, this everything is... around it doesn't seem like it's a positive, though. Yeah, this kind of goes back now to what we were talking about at, like, the Sevens World Cup, in that the, Seven World, the yeah. Sevens World Cup is now just, like, a three-day competition, and it just feels yeah. like a less interesting stage. Of the World Seven series, which yeah. then brings when you compare it to like the Olympics, which is you know with the men's and women's competition almost comes to like a week's worth of rugby content. It's like if if you want to gear everything towards the Olympics, fine. Yeah. But when it comes to the World Cup now for twenty twenty six, you need to be matching that. Or ideally, going beyond it. Yeah, you have to come. But up that with is it. a conversation that we will have probably in like uh, twenty twenty five or something like that. Yeah, I don't see how this is helping very many people though. Like, you, like you, like regardless of who it is, someone's losing a huge tournament. Regardless yeah. of who that ends up being, I really hope it's not Canada and Vancouver, but someone's losing it. Um, you know, there's going to be four, like a handful of teams that are going to have less competition be mm. out of that right it's uh i i just yeah i just i just don't know it's it's very per- perplexing out of everything that maybe you we could tweak with sevens and we had that conversation around the world cup for sure um yeah 
I don't think less rounds and less teams is the answer to any anything that I would. But, hey, I don't know. I guess we'll see how it plays out next year. I really hope Canada is – I really hope Canada is able to um, hang, hang around and be that yeah. probably – Ninth to twelfth team, or um, yeah, I know, I know the men's sevens especially are going through. The a... women's sevens will be fine. Thank yeah, you. I feel like they'll I'll... be fine. But like, well, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think the women's sevens should be okay, just because there's already twelve teams in the competition. Yeah, it makes and, this, it makes yeah. this season more stressful. Absolutely. Now it's like, oh man, like you got like because you probably. I don't even know, like what's like what would happen to that, like because even if it's it's going to be that, how do you qualify for the Olympics? Like the Olympics will be less interesting. The Olympics itself would probably be less interesting. So you're probably going to end up with teams that have to follow Olympic qualification things that are going to end yeah. up in in a competition with these teams that are just running with the top twelve all year. Yeah, well, I don't, uh, if I don't like if it. memory you know, serves, yeah. sorry. If, if memory serves correctly, it's the top four teams are from the World Series qualify for the Olympics in 2024. Yeah. And, but that will be, you know, in Toulouse for the women, in London for the men, this uh, in 2023. So at the moment, um, in the women's, we have Australia, New Zealand, USA, and France will be the teams that will qualify for the women. For the men, it is Samoa, South Africa, New Zealand, and the USA again. And then it falls to regional competitions, and those competitions can only be done determined on, um, you know, which, fe- um, yeah, which global uh, continental federation has had how many how many uh teams qualify yeah. and so on and so forth so we can't really specify anything yet but as it currently stands is be that if canada um wants to qualify for the olympics it probably they'll have to go through uh like the ran sevens again like they had to do yeah. for the uh sevens world cup earlier this year which which they dominate exactly like they like as yeah. as much as they may like you know, as as much as like they may struggle, like bounce between like being able to, you know, if they get the right bounce to going from like pro- maybe being able to like podium a tournament to like, you know, finishing fourteenth and stuff a few weeks in a row, but yeah. like when it gets to like when it comes to Randall, like they dominate those, like that comp, that level of like competition, like if you. If they lose that, if can if you lose this, like that level of competition is probably not gonna be like it's gonna be tough. To, it would probably be tough to get back. And like if you do, if teams do get, that's the other thing I'd be concerned if teams go away from competing against these, like you know, say the likes of South Africa or New Zealand for a year, mm-hmm. and then like come back when they're like regional thing, win whatever. Um, the play in tournament or whatever that's going to be called for the relegation promotion thing. Um, yeah. right. You win that. And it's like, are we just going to see like a cycle of like four teams at the bottom that just get recycled and annihilated and then yeah. recycled and annihilated and then recycled yeah. and annihilated? Like, just because uh, I don't, I don't know. know. It may, it may even be a case that, you know, by the time I don't know, like the Olympics come to Los Angeles, for example, in 2028 or even the Gold yeah. Coast in 2032. Um, you know, 
they're finding sevens is a popular sport. It's attracting, you know, lots of ticket sales for yeah. the Olympics and stuff like that. And they may say that, well, if that's the case and we can do it, let's expand to like 16 teams. And then we'll just you're come already back at to 16 teams. Like in the world, in the oh, Olympics, not, I think it's 12. No, well, the Olympics is 12. The Olympics, yeah. like, right. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like if we, the, the, Olympics, the Olympics decides the Olympics, to. Well, the Olympics is a different issue altogether, though. It's just, just yeah, but, but, that, but because the set World Series is following the Olympics, yeah. it would be interesting to see that if the Olympics do say, oh, for, you know, LA or the Gold Coast, we're going to expand this uh, tournament to yeah. uh, 16. I, we're going to have it in like two different stadiums so we can have. Um, the men's and women's competition running at uh, the same time, and then we're yeah, just I right back to where we are. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm speaking in hypotheticals. Yeah. Also, I, something I, I should mention. I just something I should mention about the Olympics, and I was just going through which teams automatically qualify. France as well. So I don't know why I didn't like pick up on the hosts getting yeah. through automatically. Well. That's my bad. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I. I don't want to to completely dismiss this. Obviously, there are the concerns of Vancouver losing um, the sevens there, but you know nothing's oh, been announced. Of, I was going to say, yeah, I have nothing to go off of on that. Yeah, but, that's like, that's I, the thing as well. We're, the, yeah. These decisions are probably going to be made either towards it the will. end of the current season or in the off season. Yeah, uh, next summer. I think that's that's so. my fear, though, is looking at the standings. You see where Canada is, and it's like, well, if they don't if yeah, they're on the series like it's not going to be in vancouver but rugby yeah. canada also really needs the vancouver sevens yeah it's... right so oh well want to talk about something fun yeah i suppose something we can let's uh let's uh let's move away from uh you know dreaded hypothetical see my welshness is rubbing off on you it's just pessimism <laughs> automatically coming in. you <laughs> see this this symbol uh, up here i'm pointing at a leaf logo on my hat for anybody just <laughs> listening this is yeah. this is born and bred pessimism. <laughs> you, um, you don't know pessimism uh, until it's uh, until it. This year will be that year. I, I yeah, M- Mitch Marner's on a twenty-two game point streak, and Pens are like, ah, he could have more points though. Yeah, right. It's like ah, right. it's the net. Yeah. That was a bad giveaway. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the thing. We've been looking at this part of the world and that part of the world. Let's bring it all back. Let's bring it right back to Toronto because we're going to be talking about some MLR news. As we said, we've, um, you know, last week with the interview means that we've had a buildup of some news, some trades that have come in. So let's start off with one of the big things. Uh, Jack McRogers has re-signed for the 2023 season. This will be his fifth season with the Arrows. You know, the top try scorer from 2022. Glad to see that he's back. Um, also, a new signing is uh, Conan O'Donnell, um, an Irish player that is currently playing for Northland in New Zealand. That prop will be coming to Toronto as preseason will be starting in uh, just a few weeks' time. But as we have some arrivals, we also have some departures. Uh, Lindsey Stevens has been traded to Chicago for salary cap considerations. Lindsey Stevens was picked up. Uh, it's now been confirmed, I guess, that Lindsey Stevens was picked up by Toronto in the dispersal draft that happened uh, about a month ago. And also the big trade that's happened is um, the Arrows players player of 2022, Ronan Foley has been traded to Seattle also for salary cap considerations. That's a, yeah, an interesting decision to make. Obviously, we will have to see 
um, how the Arrows and Seattle both play out in the upcoming season. But uh, always grateful for Ronan's uh, involvement with the Arrows uh, since going to Atlanta in 2021 and then being in Toronto for 22. And when the Seawolves come, if he's playing, we'll be happy to cheer for him until the whistle starts. And then it's uh, we'll have to yeah. wait 80 minutes until we're okay with him. And of yeah. course, Lindsay Stevens, that uh, arrow stalwart, uh, legend, Canadian, yeah. Canadian. We have to have a ceremony boy. for Lindsay Stevens, I think. Yeah. Once that. an arrow, always an arrow. So. <laughs> exactly. All we right. should, man. I've seen, uh, I've seen, I've seen NHL teams do that for guys that get traded really quick before they even play a game or whatever. Yeah. Some teams have done the joke, uh, the joke like "thanks for the memories" posts and stuff. <laughs> during the thing, they're actually usually pretty funny. I encourage the Toronto Arrows to do this just for my own personal amusement. Um, but also, I bet the Arrows don't play Chicago at home, so I guess we gotta wait. We might have to wait two years for this personal amusement. No, um, well. When, when Stevens comes back, we'll be yeah, there we'll to cheer him on. Um, so yeah, a couple obviously some interesting things. Great to see McRogers come back. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Gene Gene Simintin right now, obviously with Lindsey Stevens getting traded. Gene Simintin's the only other um, hooker on the squad right now. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously um, Andrew Quatrin, um, it will be uh, suiting up for the Free Jacks, um, and they, um, you know, and it's so it's. Might be an opportunity for our Mick Rogers to uh, be a legit starter. Um, I guess it's like as of right now. I mean, I'm assuming there's probably going to be a couple more signings that the Arrows are still going to make before the season actually starts. Yeah. Um, just for numbers purposes, but um, so like yeah, so Mick Rogers right now, I guess he's got Gene Cementin as his competition, but it looks like this could be an opportunity for him to be a starter in Major League Rugby. Um, and you know he's obviously had a lot of success, as you mentioned. Um, he's the, he was the team's leading try scorer last year, despite the fact that um, he was coming off the bench in most games. Um, so that's obviously great. Um, Conan O'Donnell, um, you know, played for uh, for Connacht uh, for a number of years before moving down to New Zealand. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, the one jersey is going to be uh, that's going to be some training camp story to watch yeah. now we got a uh, um obviously uh, Lonnie Falavia returning who um yeah. we all loved last year um just yeah. a wrecking ball every time he uh got ball in hand um Connor Grindall from Australia Canadian eligible that's going to be a good one um right um that'll so that's going to be a super interesting player to watch too and now O'Donnell so that's um like that's going to be fascinating to look out for um mm-hmm. that little battle for that loose head jersey um, so you know, I mean, ultimately, front row seems solid. I mean, the tight head side too, salmon rolling and fat. Um, right, like so, it's that's looking pretty good. The arrows pack as a whole, I think, is looking pretty good. And I think, kind of like looking at it, Ronan Foley. Um, obviously, like he had an unreal year last year. Um, he was, I believe, when we recorded our and our podcast at the end of the season, I think we both gave him MVP. Um, yeah, the team, I believe. Um, and then, you know, obviously the arrows players kind of themselves felt similarly and gave him uh, a little players player award as well. Um, so he's obviously going to be missed. Um, looking at it though, like, like I don't hate the trade. Um, one, like you can't let Ronan Foley go for nothing. So I'm glad yeah. he got him back with some, uh, some salary cap considerations here, but the arrows back row 
um, continues to kind of be really like really pretty deep. Um, you know, yeah. so like even, right. So like right now, like if you look at this, if you look at it right now, like the number eight jersey that right, you got um Travis Larson and um Mitch Eady right now. So you could have so you have Travis Larson, Mitch Eady, who um who were both brought in this year. Um, and then you know, you have for the flankers, you still have O'Neill, Rumball, Flesh, and then you drafted Rutten. Right. Oh, yeah. So it's like I'm it's at the end, like at the end of the day, like one of those guys isn't playing. Right. Yeah. And even like, even if you were to rock with uh you put an eight man on the bench, one of like if you if you keep Foley, that means like one of Larson or Edie isn't like it, it becomes like the back row, especially that number eight jersey, with the signing of Larson and Edie, it's pretty crowded. Right. Yeah. So that makes um, uh, so I mean, it it does it does make a little bit of sense to try to get some salary cap back, um, or get something back for him. Um, Lindsey Stevens being traded to Chicago, um, mm-hmm. I think is really hilarious. Looking at some of the uh, the MLR timeline stuff because they haven't really acknowledged officially what the results of the draft are yet. Guys, they're acknowledging guys being traded from the teams that Rugby Wrap Up and America's Rugby News reported that they were drafted by. Um, yeah. But there's nothing actually official up on MLR's website to say that these guys ever played for or were ever property of these teams that they're now being traded yeah. from, um, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so I don't know. I'm not obviously not really sure what happened there. I mean, there was obviously uh, we knew some of the rules were going to be that player teams would have, you know, X amount of time to sign guys after. And then um, again, though, I think it's it's one of those things that if if you really look at like Lindsey Stevens and stuff in this situation. But at the end of the day, you picked up this guy at the, the in the dispersal draft and then just flipped it for free salary. This free this is free salary cap. Yeah, basically, right? You got a guy in this dispersal draft, and that it's free salary cap. Um, like that's which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's still I find it it's kind of tough, I think, to judge some of these trades sometimes because you don't really know how much that salary cap is. Um, right, but um it'd be interesting to kind of see what the arrows do with end up doing with that or what they Possibly, maybe what they've already done with that. Maybe they're trying to. I like that's the thing we don't really know because they don't actually share the value of the numbers. But I mean, I think like the pack, I think is in good shape. And as sad as it is to see Foley go, um, I still think the packs the packs in good shape. And it is it is looking a little crowded. So I mean, I, I would rather see guys get traded for salary cap considerations than just let go for nothing. So um, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, if, it, if it couldn't work, I'm I'm happy with it. But Chicago. Yeah, Chicago looking good, strong. This so, strong, strong from what we've heard, but yeah. obviously nothing's been officially well, announced. Yeah. But, but I mean they do have the playing rights to, just going by the trade wire to, to the Michael guilty. Duvall, uh Sean Yakubian. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that wrong. Uh JP Eloff, Mason Cock. Oh, my, uh, oh Mason Eloff, I forgot about that one. That's a big one. Mason Coke, even. Um they got salary cap uh, considerations from the trade of Nathan Den Hood. Um, <laughs> South African going to Houston. What a surprise. Uh, you know, they got Lindsey Stevens. Um, 
they've also traded away two of their international slots for salary cap considerations as well. So they, you know, they've got some money to play around with as well. But I think it's also worth considering that teams seem to be getting doing trades now for salary cap considerations. And again, this may come from the um, expansion draft as well. So, for example, um, Sears Duru has been traded and signed for Legion, and the Free Jacks got uh, salary cap considerations in the process. And I think it's... Every team's doing this because, you know, injuries happen. You're going to need to call someone in to come over. But also something that's been... Uh, spotted on the trade wire is the trade and signing deadline for the 2023 MLR season is the season's midpoint, which is considerably earlier than it was in the 2022 season. So that's uh, so definitely something to keep an eye out for. It may be a case of, you know, between. Oh, I, wonder, I wonder and- if that, I wonder if that's a reaction to LA and Austin. Possibly. But I mean, oh, between yeah. round eight and round nine, we may get like a flurry well, of, Trades happening. When was it last year? I think it was like three round, three or four rounds of yeah, the regular that's season. That's got to be a so. reaction to LA Austin. That has to be. I don't know how else you read into that. Yeah, um, and and the thing as well, I don't know if that's for like the end of the season, the postseason, and then once the season and postseason end, you know, you can start trading for, um, you know, like uh, draft positions and things well, like that yeah i mean so, that's uh i mean that's how it works in uh basically other sports right every other sport they have a trade deadline and then once the you kind of have to put a hold on everything and then yeah. once the season's over it's open again right and, yeah um that's pretty much how it works uh yeah but it's, well all, be, all we can say now is going to be interesting to see how this all plays out but you know I would, um What's Honestly, it? Uh, I would love like an mlr trade deadline thing i mean other leagues have made that a really big deal and it's a good like media opportunity yeah. thing too right a little good little content mm. creation but yeah absolutely. well chicago also uh hired elena gattinger too from la former rugby canada like operations manager so yeah so they're, just, uh, they're going after everybody all the former players all the former staff this is gonna stick up just a fusion team yeah it's uh well, oh, well, it's obviously going to be a fusion team, especially if the head coach is the former. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like everybody, coach. and then you kind of look at someone like the like the trades that they're making. Like they even they didn't like they just traded for a guy that they lost in the dispersal draft, and they traded to get him back. Yeah, and, and Lindsey Stevens, like they just got him. They just got him back, right? Um, so yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. It is interesting though seeing how many guys from the dispersal draft, like you said, are being traded for salary cap space. And it is yeah, yeah, I'd have for I mean of of the arrows players that they supposedly drafted that I thought was going to be play, um, traded. I definitely did not expect the Canadian uh, to be traded, but you know it's obviously uh, well, down to like the coaching and the uh, well, staff yeah, decision. Well, so. That would be interesting too, because obviously Brighton. Um, we just kind of talked about the arrows back row, as well, yeah. and that's uh, Brighton back is can slot in there too, right? So it's mm-hmm. um, we'll see. We'll still see what happens if he signs, but yeah, um, yeah, like there's a lot of salary cap. Dallas got a international slot from Chicago for salary cap. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston got an international slot for salary cap. Um. Houston got some salary cap for Dallas for Juan Pablo Zeiss and Marcus Maroney. 
yeah, I, mean, I think we're probably going back a little far for um, recapping now, but there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of trades. Yeah, uh, send uh, a couple trades just even for today too. Like Sears Duru again was for salary cap space. Michael Del uh, Chicago just traded from Michael Del Wall um, to uh, Dallas, getting salary cap space back for that. Um, th- yeah, there's. Yeah, JP Eloff for salary cap too. Jeez, JP, e- I forgot that JP Eloff played in Chicago already. But yeah. like, this this team is ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know, they've already. said on their social media channels that they're going to be announcing the team in due course, and it seems at yeah. this rate it's just going to be a blanket announcement of all the players. I mean, yeah, it probably. If, if you go on their website, they close to the season too. Yeah, uh, well, they, they've announced announcements, but yeah, they've announced the acquisition of Elof. They've also announced the signing of like Bryce Campbell, but. Yeah, I I think it is just going to be a blanket announcement of saying that these are the guys we've signed. You yeah. know, release the hound, up the hounds or release the hounds, whichever one they want to go with. But uh, you know, guys, you got to crack on with that and uh, actually announce uh, all your you know, players. It's um, an interesting question though, because I'm looking at the trade wire. What happened to the salary cap that? San Diego traded away for Marcel Brocky and Luke Burton. Huh. Like what? Gen, like what happened to that? Does that to that salary cap? Is that just like dead rent? Like, is does that? Do, go do they just get a player Diego? for? Is that just? Do they just get a player for nothing now? Is that? Yeah, like that is. I, I mean, because you can't just give it both to Chicago because that's not. Well, they didn't make that trade with Chicago. Exactly, they, that's what I mean. They made, in... with Austin and L- mm. they made those trades with Austin and LA. So yeah, so back in September, to recap, Luke Burton was LA traded Luke Burton to San Diego for salary cap, and Austin traded Marcel Brocky to San Diego for salary cap. So what mm. happened to that salary cap? <laughs> Does San Diego get that back? Well, it's not salary. It's not. San Diego salary cap is it? It's just well, it would be San Diego gave up salary cap to get these players. So do they get it back? Where does that go? Yeah, because then you can argue that they still they still have the player. So yeah, but you just gave salary cap to nobody. Like, did... yeah. is that just like they paid to not have those guys go through the draft? I guess maybe Mel. To be honest, when this was made this was back in september so yeah, well it's way it before the draft because it was with la and austin so no but that's what i mean as in maybe it was being done with the idea that austin and la could find yeah. buyers who would then be able to continue the season i don't know well continue true. them into next season san diego uh, picked up a uh, christian point from atlanta for uh salary cap again too so lots of lots of um la and austin actually looking through the trade wire it's a lot of la and austin guys getting traded after the dispersal draft too which is also very interesting well i gotta feel bad for christian alvarez who was traded in august to austin from nola and is now yeah (laughs) ended up in the wilderness for a few months to say the least uh Okay, but speaking on MLR and um, some of the teams that we've just mentioned is that new kits have been coming out uh, mm-hmm. in a steady trip. And I think the what it seemed like it was originally going to be was that 
a new team was going to announce their kit every weekday. That hasn't happened. It's just been a... We've only had three of the 12 teams announce their kits. And, you know, maybe there'll be a pickup between... I think we'll get to Christmas it later. I think New York in their new name video, we'll talk about the new name later. I think those are new. But they just didn't give a really good look at the full kit in the video. Yeah. But we'll talk about the name later. But I think that, that was kind of like... It's almost like a tease of the new kit. Because it's obviously new. Because it's got the new lo- logo in, on it. So, but... Yeah. They didn't really give a full proper look at the kit either. But yeah, so yeah, really it's not three, uh... three teams really. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the teams that do have kits out. Uh, first up, we have the Seattle Seawolves. That's their 2023 kit. It's uh, you know, a bit of a departure from what they've had in previous uh, seasons. So uh and the thing as well that I should mention about all of the teams is that they all have three kits. They have home, away, and then basically a second away kit to avoid uh, clashing. Alternate so, kits. Yeah, so yeah, home, away, alternate. So the home jersey is much darker now. It's practically black with um, green orca fins. It is black, I think. Yeah, well, it won, once again, it's one of these things where it's a it's, it's a mock-up. It's not actually yeah. someone well, in the kit, it, so it's harder the, to tell. In the wording, though, in the, the write-up, it says the distinct black, inspired by the distinctive black and white markings of an orca. Mm. And then the uh, away kit is their white. It's a sound of white they have, and that is more their traditional colors of white blue and green to go with the uh seattle uh seawolves logo and yeah i i get it i understand it's a pretty good kit uh and and then they also have their training kit which i'm pretty sure will become that um third kit be and that's more the traditional blue heavy emphasis on the green on the sides and no, in the same way that what's in it, like Nola Gold have their Mardi Gras kit, and it's like, oh, it's a training kit, it's a training kit, and then they rock out with it every <laughs> other game. So I'm yeah. like, mm, I, I, we'll see, we'll see. So uh, I'm kind of like looking at like Sea Wolves jerseys throughout the years, and I think, like you said, it's like the the Warriors, which we'll talk about in a minute, as well as the Free Jacks, which we'll also talk about in a minute. Um. Like they announced three, and I'm like, I think the black, like the orca design one, would have been like a really cool third kit. Yeah, but I gotta say, it in a league that has so many like black and dark blue teams, I really miss the bright green jersey. Yeah. I I feel like I miss I miss that one a lot. I really like the bright green one, and even the blue that kind of had the bright green on it. Um, like I said, it's like it's you know sometimes in in mockups and stuff it doesn't come across quite right. Um, but I'm just yeah. kind of like uh, I feel like that that bright green is kind of an iconic Seattle sports team color, 
and uh, mm-hmm. I would just like to see them kind of lean, lean into it a little bit, a little bit more with uh, with this year's uh, kit designs. I get it. That yeah. makes sense. Well, we go from one black kit to another as Utah have announced their jerseys as well. Their um, home jersey is a black kit with, uh, you know, marking design. It's again, I think there's only one shot of a player actually wearing it, and it's own, and they're crossing their arms whilst doing so, so you can't really see. Also, the background is black as well, so it's really hard to pick out like the individual details. But um, at the same time, you know, it's, you know, uh, the four line, four red lines across the chest. Um, yeah, if you've seen the Utah jersey before, it's pretty similar, you know, nothing too far different. What is a bit different is the um, away jersey, which is having an emphasis on the red, but it highlights the pattern that I believe is on the home and away kit of um, four lines um, in yeah, like an intricate lines. pattern. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. It's definitely unique. It's really it, cool. I love it. Yeah, um, it's a cool design, yeah. and with the photo and with the photo of the player in it, it looks much better. So this is one that I can definitely well, see think- like being better on the pitch than it does in the previews. But again, that's just me. And then finally, we have the third kit, which um, replaces the black with white. It's, again, a four-line pattern, but it's a different pattern. It's more like chevrons than, um, you know, a solid color. And then it's the left sleeve and the entire back of the kit is all in red. And I think this one looks like this one's definitely unique. It's gonna. I think it's gonna be a definite fan favorite. And um, obviously, having a yeah. white kit is definitely um, worthwhile having in the MLR. But yeah, yeah that's really um, nice. I absolutely love what Utah did with their kits this year. You know, I think like Utah's branding has been pretty well done throughout their their entire existence, and even like some small things like last year being one of the the only teams to have like a five year anniversary patch and stuff. Like U- Utah always uh, seems to hit the mark with uh, with a lot of these kits and stuff. And I mean they they've been using their uh, that kind of like that forward like motto um, and like the four stripe imagery that is associated with their like team's motto um, throughout basically. The, for the last few years and yeah like i really like how the, like the home kit incorporates that force the four stripes again they kind of look like they updated it a little bit um just with it looks like if you go on their instagram i think they have a lot better pictures they kind of have the four stripe pattern going through the whole jersey it's just it's also black um but it actually looks really cool um so they got a similar pattern i love the away that red the red stripes going all different directions looks phenomenal and uh the best part is is it looks phenomenal and i cannot think of another rugby team in the world that wears something even remotely close to this like yeah um, this is just it like is a pure like utah warriors like if if they just should stick with this because if they're like like they should just honestly like i don't even this is like one of those jerseys i'm like you need to keep this like i don't even know why you would bother designing a different jersey for next year um like it, it's perfect and it's got like if like it's like has that like almost like iconic 
kind of feel to it where it's like i think they have created something that no other team in the world is ever going to use and it Mm -hmm. works so well for their team um and i think they need to like stick with that this is this is to me this is easily the best utah warriors jerseys that they've ever worn um all all three of them going across i'm looking at them on my phone now like they just like the white one too the white and red it works so well the number the number fonts great numbers are clearly visible and stuff Mm -hmm. too which is also kind of important um but like yeah phenomenal Mm -hmm. love it love the video that they dropped them with too yeah that was super well done um just a a plus all around for utah these are phenomenal phenomenal Uh, okay two things i want to say to that one i still love the utah's like mountain uh range red shirt from i think two seasons ago jerseys yeah but uh i think you're also forgetting their top gun inspired uh shirts from last season as well i did forget about that yeah, where those? But, but those, but those are one offs. So I'll, I'll let that slide. That's okay. And then, yeah, you get your okay, so jerseys. Those were cool. Okay, so we have we've had uh, Seattle, we've had Utah, and now the final team is the New England Free Jacks. Who, you know, we have one team that has the U.S. flag on their chest. So how do you? How can you stay as patriotic as possible whilst? Um, having a different color scheme and of course it is the red white and blue it's their striped jersey it's with the colors it's uh pretty familiar pretty uh, uh you know uh so this time around we got the hoops uh they're a bit thicker this time and it is um so the red jersey it's the red uh, is at the top, and it's yeah, in that's the, the only difference. The, sh- the stripes are in a different order. <laughs> yeah, the stripes are a bit thicker, and then for the blue, it's the blue and red switches round. The white jersey is the biggest difference. It is um, white, then blue, then red, and then white all the way down. Like even the shorts are white as well to just like completely match and bring it all together. And the only the one thing that the, like just hurts me a little bit is that Cole Keith is advertising the white jersey on Instagram. It's like, no, he's no matter, gone. Yeah. He's definitely gone. Yeah. Also, yeah, also the fact that I know, and I know Josh Larson, and, and this is the thing, it's like, I know Josh Larson is the captain and he should be wearing the jersey, but as a Canadian, why didn't you put him in the red kit? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Because, I, I mean, that's, I mean, that's their it's decision. It's not USA, it's the, it's, Free Jacks. It's not, not team. I mean, they are red, white, and blue. It's kind of hard to get past yeah. that. Um, but uh, yeah, but no, you know, yeah. if that was, if, I didn't expect to see Cole Keith being the guy to be like in the jersey for the uh, the press release here. But I'm like, yeah, it's. Uh, but he's there. Good for him, man. Good for it, him. It's even it's even funny because in the video that it's advertising shirt, Cole Keith's not in that, but Josh Larson is, and Sakara. Uh, yeah. He's uh, in the red kit, and so yeah, it's well, like, oh, we, we just switched it out for the the white jersey. But... You got to go with your most marketable people for when you do exactly. these uh, these drops. And I mean, clearly, the Free Jacks have listened to Cole Keith on our podcast numerous times, and they're like, "This mm-hmm. is the guy we got to go with for all our marketing." And I agree Man, with that decision. Um, is the, the jerseys themselves. I mean, can the free the Free Jacks can't do anything wrong um, with with kit, right? Like realistically. No, um, it's like the collars are a mainstay. Yeah, the collars, the the hoops, everything. It's it's unreal once again. Um, 
I like when the Sea Wolves dropped their new kit and the Free Jacks did the look at the like the Free Jacks had an announcement that they were selling like old school like cotton rugby jerseys um yeah. in uh, in their shop and it was like you go through those designs and you're just like this team is just like th- this this team is just like look at how awesome the kit we don't even wear is and then yeah. we'll drop our real kit and it does look amazing um my only i do though i'm not gonna lie i got a small gripe with them this year though okay. previous years i'd be like they're perfect small gripe with this one though the white kit yeah white kit don't do a white number on white kit uh okay that like they have the one the one image of it with their little video right and it's like the blue kit nice blue square around the numbers very visible the red kit nice red square around the numbers very visible the white one doesn't have the square and it's like it genuinely like unless like in in reality because the pictures that they showed of the players actually wearing the jersey like they didn't show what the one on Cole Keith's back looks like right but it's like in the video um with like the you know the computer generated image of what the kit's gonna look like when it shows the back of the jersey it's the number 12 I think because it just it the bottom is all white and it just blends way too much right and I, like I'm just like that looks like like I I just hope that I hope in real life that number looks a lot more visible like it's like a thicker blue line or something like that yeah differentiate it um yeah. because it it it's white that goes into white and it looks like in the video that they released it kind of looks like the number sort of disappears a little bit yeah I, um, well that's the thing these are just well, like that's my computer, one right. these are just CGI images it's really hard to tell and yeah you know it obviously they'll be getting like feedback from players and production and stuff like that and I mean, yeah or even just change the color of yeah. the numbering and lower it a bit so yeah. it's i mean obvious, I, I know but... that realistically this is probably the equivalent of complaining about sam malcolm going 11 for 12 off the t in the yeah. game because you'd be like yeah it's uh <laughs> right you're like it's like no. It's like we've seen what you've done before, and we kind of demand a little bit of perfection. Doing. Eleven out of twelve. Nah, shipping back. It's yeah, rubbish. exactly. So we, we, we kind of demand some perfection, though. So I mean, you got to yeah. go with the. You might not get the A plus plus grading this year. You're probably going to get yeah. really just an A plus now. So, um, but yeah, they're amazing. All right, and we've uh, mentioned it already a little bit, but the defending champions of MLR Rugby New York have changed their name to Rugby New York Ironworkers, which is a bit of a mouthful, to say the least, but I think the idea is that they are planning um, eventually to like promote the Ironworkers name, and whilst it's easier for us to say, just call yourselves uh, New York Ironworkers. Yeah. I think it is a exercise in branding. It's like this season, yeah. like people who may have heard of like Rugby New York, and then if they hear Rugby New York Ironworkers, they're like, oh, you know, this is something similar. But if you just hear New York Ironworkers, you may just think of the profession of the New York Ironworkers iron, of the union. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> yeah. The so guy. that's why. So that's why I think. I think it's like we'll give him a season to blend the names together, and then 
you know, next season they may change yeah. it to New York. But you know, they they've been changing their name a lot. First, Rugby See, United New York, and then Rugby New York, then thing, Rugby though, New York Ironworkers. It's I okay, Ironworkers, cool name. That's, yeah. I, I like it. Um, it seems like something that's really um resonates with the city. Um, that's really cool. Um, I do like that. It's Rugby New York Ironworkers is going to be said once per broadcast when the commentator has to do it officially at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, but that like, yeah, nobody's going to say rugby, New York iron workers. And I think mm-hmm. like it'll become New York iron workers to everybody. I just don't, yeah. I don't get like, I feel like, okay. So rugby, New York, I'm so happy that they've actually decided to name their team. Finally, yeah. um, you know, cause rugby, New York is not a name. No. Like, you know, we could say say what you will about Giltinis and Gilgronis. At least someone tried. At least yeah. the name was presented. Rugby Rugby New York is a description, but it's not a name. And I so I love the addition of a of a team name, basically. Um, I think this w- would work a lot better as like New York Iron Workers rugby, or like put like stick like just the the RFC at the end of the name. Right, yeah. New York Iron Workers Rugby Football Club. Yeah. Right. And that comes, I think that if you really want to keep rugby in the name that badly, I think it flows a lot better at the end of the name. Right. Because yeah. it's like other teams do that, right? Like you see, like there's Arrows merch that has the little RFC tacked onto the logo mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Yeah. Toronto Arrows RFC gets shortened to everybody calling it the Toronto Arrows. And that's how we commonly refer to it, right? You can do that with like basically um, like the Seawolves have a lot of merchandise that says Seawolves Rugby on it, right? It's just mm-hmm. rugby sounds. I'm wearing a shirt on this podcast right now. It says Arrows Rugby. It sounds <laughs> rugby sounds better. If you put it at the end of the name, that's yeah, all I'm saying. no, I, I get that. Uh, but um, beyond that, though, I really like the name. It's cool. Yeah. I think, uh, I personally, I think this will help a lot more with like the branding and the identity. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's what we've been talking about on this podcast a little bit lately about like you know the future and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And being like MLR's impact on the future and like what it could, and it's like. If you previously like, you know, you want to say kids that can grow up to be like an arrow or they want to grow up to mm-hmm. be a saber cat or, a, you know, a sea wolf mm-hmm. or anything. I don't know what people that wanted to play New York would have previously said. It's like, yeah, I want to grow up to be a, a rugby in, in New Player. York. Like it's right. At a least rugby United. Have, yeah. I want to be a United rugby. And now we're not United. So this is what it right. And now we're not United. So at least they can be like, yeah, I want to be an, like a little kid that wants to play pro rugby can be like, yeah, I want to be an iron worker. Like, you know, play yeah. Dylan Fawcett one day. Right. And I think that's really cool. Um, It is kind of, is it fascinating that rugby, this team was once United, then was no longer United and now is named after a union. Yeah, is that like what a, a bizarre interesting thing to think of? Um, um and something else to be yeah. it's not just a new name, it's also a new stadium. We're stadium. no longer in a high we're no longer in a high school stadium uh in New Jersey. We're now in a high school stadium in Mount Vernon because uh the iron well, high school are stadium. Moving... it's a municipal stadium that a high school team plays at. 
Okay, fair difference. enough. Because uh, actually, that is the difference. It's a big difference. Now they can sell alcohol at the yeah, stadium. Yeah, that's a big. That's important. That was a big thing that was uh, being asked about in the uh, MLR subreddit. But they yeah. will be playing at the newly renovated Mount Vernon Memorial Stadium for the 2023 season. Um, uh, for those of you uh, in New York, uh, it is accessible from Manhattan by a 25-minute train ride from Grand Central Station. It's also right off the Hutchinson River Parkway and close to the I-95 and Cross County Parkway. Um, yep, so Hoboken, I think I saw tweets from like the Hoboken uh, Rugby Club or Rugby Union, um, which indicated that it was just a, a one-year deal with JFK Stadium. This stadium is, first of all, in New York, which is very fair. It's uh, well in New York State. Well, which which is still New York, <laughs> yeah. and you know they could play in Buffalo. They'd still be in New York. They'll be in New York. They have mm. played in Buffalo. They played the Arrows in a preseason scrimmage, uh, but that wasn't a proper game because yeah. then they'd have to announce that they lost. But um, <laughs> I don't yeah. think they actually kept score for the game. To be honest. Yeah, of course they, they didn't keep won. score because they lost. That's yeah, why. Is that? Oh, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know who. I don't know uh, how many tries we conceded because. Uh... I'll say what I drew. The one thing I really remember from that is, uh, um, Dan Moore had the nastiest like behind the back pass to Ben Lesage for a try. Like he drew in like three defenders and the offload is just no look <laughs> behind the back. Yeah, and I, that's why they didn't keep yeah. score because they and don't want to be it's, reminded it's honestly, that they lost. It's, it's honestly like one of the best arrows tries that nobody. Uh, it's probably the best arrows try that no one's ever seen, unless you were there. <laughs> so it's it, it is actually it's it was an incredible little like display of skill in a preseason scrimmage game thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it may not be the Red Bull Arena, but it's uh, definitely a, it's cool. an improvement from... It is one of those things sometimes where I do look at that, because like you said, high school plays there, and I think like a minor, like a like a youth football team plays there, and I'm like, that's a stadium for a youth football team. If you look at the stadium itself, it's a stadium for every single sport. Yeah. America does sports differently, man. That stadium looks really nice. Like, it actually yeah. looks really nice. This... It, it does look really nice, but I think um, for the purists out there who do oh, not enjoy line. the, um, you know, multiple lines across the field, and I'm going to say you're not going to enjoy this. This is uh, you know, ah, football I mean... lines, baseball lines. Um, there's an athletics track surrounding it as well. But, hey. you know, you make do with what you can, obviously. Real estate yeah. in uh, New York is very expensive. You got to take what you can get, and I mean, like most teams in the league play on like a multi-use stadium, and and that's the, until everyone is like uh, Houston with their own rugby-specific stadiums. And I get this is just going to be how things are going to be in MLR for the time being, but you know. Brand new stadium, brand new facilities. Hopefully they can get people to, well, if they could get people to get to New Jersey, hopefully they can get people to get to uh, Mount Vernon um, and the Memorial Stadium for the next season. And, uh, you know, we're coming to the end of uh, the podcast now and you're thinking, like, oh, where can I watch rugby? And, you know, we're coming up to the end of the year. Uh, we're hoping to have an interview lined up for you next week, which means that that will be our final episode of 2022 
Um, so where can you watch rugby in the meantime? Well, at the moment, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, the Champions and Challenge Cup is going on at the moment. And you can legally watch that at <laughs> bpcrugby.tv. Yeah. You will have to pay for like weekend passes and yeah. that will continue up until May, I believe. It's the second round of the pool stages. Now we have some, the uh, domestic leagues and then back at the start of January, I believe, with the Champions Challenge Cup and you can watch it there. So over the holiday period, you can watch the Premiership and URC on Sportsnet, especially on Boxing Day when the Boxing Day derbies take place. And that's definitely something to look out for. We will hopefully be back in time for the next round of the sevens. But if we aren't, for whatever reason, you'll be able to find that on CBC and CBC Gen. And of course, coming up next year, we have the Six Nations and then some... Uh, unknown, you know, you know, we don't want to talk about it. So something like um, the men's rugby world club, yeah, you know, you think, yeah, I, I say skip that, it's not important. Uh, you know, no North American team wants to take part in it anyway, so who cares? <laughs> it's fine. Um, but the oh, Six Nations mention, that'll be available on the zone getting fired now that we're on the US. Oh, yeah, Gar- oh. yeah, how weird is that? That you know, an American team doesn't qualify for the men's rugby world cup and their head coach resigns. And other people. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Can you imagine that? No. Rugby Canada? Could you? <laughs> yeah, that seemed to be kind of the sediment about it from the uh, Canadian fan point of view. It's like, oh, this, yeah. this is an option, isn't it? Oh, um, yeah. It was. Yeah, I don't know. I do not know. Yeah. Well, inter- interesting to see what happens next year. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, you can watch the uh, Six Nations at least on the zone and hopefully. If there is any international rugby that Canada, well, the men's team at least, will be taking part in, uh, we'll get that out to you. Hopefully it's on TSN. Um, Maybe the World Cup is on it. We don't know at this point. Uh, But we will be here next year to let you know all about it. In fact, if you want to keep up to date with us whilst we are away for the holiday period, you can do so across social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And that is at La Rouge Rugby. You can also follow us on our YouTube channel, again, at La Rouge Rugby. And if you liked listening to this podcast, you can do so on Anchor FM, our uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Derek, where can the fine people find you on social media? At Percept the Jet uh, across all social media networks. And you can find me across social media at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, as I mentioned, we're hoping to have one more episode before we conclude 2022. But if this is the only one, thank you so much for joining us. Derek, thank you so much for joining me for another episode where we talk about arrow signings and fashion choices in MLR, as well as the future of Sevens. Again, thank you all for joining us for this year with the Rouge Rugby Podcast. We hope you can join us again next time. <laughs>